following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Christmas Eve, December 24, 2023, on the basis of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. I have to admit I'm not much of a moviegoer. But if my family really wanted to go and see a movie in a theater next week, my vote would be that we would see one of the two following films. Either Napoleon, which has been out since Thanksgiving, or Boys in the Boat, which comes out tomorrow. So Napoleon is obviously a movie about Napoleon, the French general and ruler. And Boys in the Boat is a movie about an American rowing team who won a gold medal at the Olympics in 1936, which was sort of significant because those Olympics were held in Berlin, Germany, just a couple of years after that nation had elected its newest chancellor, a 44-year-old Austrian by the name of Adolf Hitler. In other words, both of those movies have a connection with a man who at one point in his life basically wanted to take over the entire world. Napoleon at the beginning of the 19th century and Hitler in the middle of the 20th century. And when it comes to emperors, when it comes to dictators, that's the kind of thing we usually think of, isn't it? We think of men like Hitler and Napoleon and Stalin and Mussolini. We think of men who were obsessed with grabbing onto power and whose quest for power left millions and millions of casualties in its wake. And so if I were to say to you that Jesus was born to disrupt things like that, that Jesus came to this earth to rescue us from things like that, that Christmas means that there will be an end to things like that, that would sound like pretty good news, wouldn't it? For the past several weeks, we've been talking about having a disruptive Christmas, how God's arrival in our world disrupts everything. And the idea that Jesus' birth would disrupt the very worst that life has to offer, that sounds like pretty good news. And it's true. But what if I told you that the opposite is also true? You see, as we look at human history, it isn't all evil dictators and massive bloodshed. There are times of peace and prosperity. There are times in our own lives where we get to experience joy and laughter, and in fact, hopefully you are getting to experience some moments like that in the next couple of days. And so what if I told you that Jesus was born also to disrupt things like that? That Jesus came to this earth to rescue us from things like that. That Christmas means that there will eventually be an end to things like that. Maybe that doesn't sound like such good news. And yet that's exactly the message that we are going to hear this evening. As we turn our attention to these words from Luke chapter 2, we are going to focus in specifically on that message that the angel delivered to the shepherds on that first Christmas evening, a message so disrupting that it might actually sound like bad news. And yet the message of that angel to those shepherds and to us is simply this, that Jesus' birth disrupts even the best that life has to offer. 
Now, before we take a look at that message, we need to talk briefly about the two rulers that are mentioned in Luke's account. One of them is only referred to very briefly and subtly. When Luke begins his account in those days, he is referring to the days of King Herod the Great. King Herod was sort of the local ruler in charge of the Jewish people, and that was a title that he had very much sought out and won for himself with a combination of cunning manipulation and ruthless bloodshed. Herod was a tyrant who took whatever he wanted and killed anyone that stood in his way, including members of his own family. As far as evil dictators go, Hitler and Napoleon had nothing on King Herod. But then there's the other ruler mentioned in these verses, the ruler known as Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus sort of breaks the mold when it comes to emperors and dictators. After decades of civil war and unrest within the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus established what's known as the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. He established systems of transportation and commerce that improved the lives of millions of people. Every single title that he possessed, every honor that he was given, was given to him at the insistence of the people around him in spite of his best protests to try and avoid those things. In fact, even when Caesar Augustus conquered a new nation, a new group of people, he allowed them to keep their own language and keep their own culture. And so even though the Jewish people would have loved to have been independent instead of falling under Roman rule, it wasn't because Caesar Augustus was some cruel tyrant. Well, so now we get to that message on that first Christmas evening delivered by the angel to those shepherds, a message about a new ruler, a new king who had been born, a king whose rule was going to disrupt the rule of even Earth's greatest kings. You would think that maybe the angel was referring to the rule of an evil dictator like King Herod the Great, but he wasn't. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news, or more literally, I bring you gospel. And in those days, that was a very specific and almost technical term that was used to refer to things of great historical significance, things like the birth of a great ruler like Caesar Augustus. In fact, in those days, they considered the birth of Caesar Augustus to be such gospel that they wanted to reorder their entire calendar so that the first day of every year was the day of his birth. The angel said that this good news would be for all people, implying that the rule of this newborn king was going to extend even farther than the boundaries of Caesar's vast Roman Empire that he was in the process of trying to census and tax. The angel referred to Jesus as a savior, a term that in those days people would have used to refer to Caesar Augustus. They thought he was the one who rescued them from all of their enemies. The angel referred to Jesus as the Lord, another term they would have used to refer to Caesar Augustus. They thought he was the one who oversaw and managed their lives and provided them with everything that they needed. Finally, when the whole host of angels said that there was going to be peace on earth, they were insinuating that the Pax Romana, as great and as widespread as it was, needed to be superseded by an even greater peace from above. Nearly every single word that the angel spoke had implications and overtones that pointed back 
to Caesar Augustus. It made it clear that Jesus' birth would unseat the highest and the mightiest in our world. And not just the evil dictators like Herod the Great, even the good ones like Caesar Augustus. So let me ask, do you think that what the angel referred to as good news to those shepherds is also good news for people like us? I think it's easy for us at times to want God and to even ask God to disrupt those things in our life that need to be disrupted. When there is failure, when there is sadness, when there is pain, when there is shame, we want God to disrupt those things. And yes, it is true that Jesus' arrival in our world does just that. It means that one day there will be an end to all of those things. And then I think it's also the case that very often there are areas of our life that we don't want to be disrupted, where things are going just fine, where there is success, where there is joy, where there is pleasure, where there is pride. Those spaces that we want Jesus to just leave alone. Jesus, focus on all that other stuff. Over here, I'm just fine. And yet Jesus' birth disrupts those things too. Not in the sense that Jesus wants to take those good things away from us and bring our fun to an end. Instead, Jesus wants to make sure that those things are not for us, something that they are not qualified to be. He wants to unseat those good things as the best and ultimate things in our life. He wants to unseat those things as the peak and pinnacle of all human existence. And so when you succeed, when you smile, when you win, when you laugh, when you open presents at Christmas, when you sit down for Christmas dinner with all the people you love most, when you put your feet up on the couch in your comfy pants watching your favorite Christmas movie in front of the fire, Jesus wants to rescue you from the thought that this is it. This is as good as it gets. I am living my best life possible. Jesus wants to disrupt your love and your peace and your joy with love and peace and joy that are even better. Jesus' birth doesn't just disrupt the worst and the wickedest in our world, it also disrupts the highest and the mightiest. which normally poses a bit of a problem. I mean, people who do that, people who improve the lives of millions of people, usually they are pretty hard to gain access to. I mean, as great as it is, and as wonderful and nice as it is, for example, that Jeff Bezos deploys all of his little blue vans all around our community so that they can deliver your Christmas presents just in time for Christmas, I don't think he is going to be inviting you to hang out with him for Christmas on his $500 million yacht. Normally people that benefit that many other people are a little bit hard to gain access to, especially for common, everyday, normal people like us. And I wonder if that was a thought that crossed the shepherd's mind after that first statement that the angel made. And so thankfully, that first statement wasn't the last statement. There was also a second 
statement from the angel. The angel told them that the baby that they were looking for would be wrapped in strips of cloth and placed in a manger. In other words, no luxurious palace, no handcrafted bassinet. Instead, some type of garment that had been ripped up and the cloths used to wrap Jesus in. And a feeding trough used for animals as his very first crib. And the angel referred to these things as a sign. Well, not even just a sign. The angel said that this was the sign. In other words, this lowly and very humble beginning for Jesus was not just some sort of birthmark for him. It was an entire life mark for him. From his cradle to his grave, every moment of his existence would be characterized by the same lowliness and humility, completely devoid of all majesty and impressiveness. Which meant that when the shepherds went to see him, there was a seat for them. I mean, think about that for a second. How many people would it have taken for there not to be room for those shepherds? How many people who were more intelligent, more influential, more powerful, more wealthy? Certainly, if Jesus' birth had attracted the likes of Caesar Augustus or even a King Herod, those shepherds would have been left out in the cold. And that's why the angels second statement is as disruptive as the first. Not only did Jesus' birth unseat the highest and the mightiest, but Jesus' birth also seated the lowliest and the humblest. That sign that marked his birth meant there was a spot even for those lowly shepherds. So let me ask, what do you think it would be for you that would cause you otherwise not to have a seat beside Jesus. This Christmas, I'm told that there are 115 million Americans who are going to be doing some traveling. And especially for those Americans who happen to be traveling by getting on an airplane, they will quickly find out how we normally rank people in this world and how those rankings often determine where you get to sit. So you go to board a plane, and the first people who get to board are active military personnel and families with young children and people with special needs. And then, of course, comes the first-class passengers, people who have lots of money or people who have racked up lots of points with the airline. Not only do they get to go onto the plane early, but they have a nice, comfy seat with lots of extra room, and their drink order is ready to be taken. Then comes everybody else. Zone 1 passengers, and zone two, and zone three, and zone four, and finally zone 23, and that's when I get to board the plane. That's how it normally works in our world, isn't it? What you have and what you have done determines where you rank and where you get to sit. So what would it be for you that would otherwise cause you not to have a seat at the side of your Savior? Is it because there are other people who are more successful than you? Other people who are smarter than you? Other people who are better looking or more popular than you? Other people who live in bigger houses or drive faster cars? Other people who are surrounded by family 
this time of year and who are going home to full houses while you seem to be all alone? Is it the shame that you feel over some sin that you've committed that you won't even mention to anyone? Or the guilt that you feel over the damage you've caused that can't be undone? How many people would it take more important, more moral, more successful, more influential than you for there not to be room for you at your Savior's side? And so it's a good thing that the angel gave the sign that he did. That very same sign that guaranteed that Jesus' birth would not attract the kings and emperors of this world also guarantees that your seat is ready and waiting. It means that right at the side of that very same Savior who came into this world to bring you ultimate joy and peace and love and hope, there is room for you. Jesus' birth unseats the highest and the mightiest, and yet Jesus' birth seats the lowliest and the humblest right at the Savior's side. So that's what the angel had to say to those shepherds, the disruptive message he had to deliver that first Christmas night. And yet, of course, we also know that talk is cheap. And so it's worth pointing out how every single word that the angel spoke has, in fact, come true. As it turns out, the birth of Caesar Augustus is not the gospel that people all over the world gather to celebrate every year. Instead, the good news of great joy is the birth of our Savior that people gather to celebrate every Christmas. And the birth of Caesar Augustus is not that event that marks the beginning of each and every year. Instead, it is the birth of Jesus that has completely reordered all of human history, dividing it between everything that came before and everything that will come after. And so just as the angel said, Jesus' birth disrupts and unseats the highest and the mightiest. And yet not in the way that you would expect. Not overnight. The very same sign that marked Jesus' birth and marked his entire life from cradle to grave also has marked the way that his gospel has gone out into all the world. Did you know it took Christians 300 years before they started celebrating Christmas? And did you know it took another 200 years after that before human history was divided? And so just as the angel said, the gospel of Jesus Christ still makes a seat, makes a place for the humblest and the lowliest right by Jesus' side. So yes, this message that the angels delivered is in fact good news. Do not let the worst things in life convince you otherwise. But do not even let the best things in life convince you otherwise. Because Jesus came to disrupt those things too in the way that only he can. Our Savior Jesus came into this world to disrupt the very best in life because he came to replace the best with something even better. Amen.